It's uh, thanks for inviting me. It's good to be here. <laughs> Thank you for inviting. You know the way you're dressed today. It kind of looks like you like you hung up your jacket and took your shoes off before you entered the uh, the booth of truth. Yeah, I just I just uh, I was dressed up for the show, and I just I was like, hey, I'm it's, you know it's kind of cold around here. I'll just stay warm and keep my tie on. Why not? <laughs> it was it was chilly, man. You always yeah. make fun of the speed of my Vespa, but uh, I'll tell you when you're going 32 miles an hour. And it's forty degrees outside. That wind chill can really start to get to you. Yeah, I bet that. I bet that. I bet it was stinging. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So, Halloween, Luigi's Haunted Mansion Three came out. I don't know if you play video games. You, I, we actually, think, I think we had a discussion. You told me you stopped playing. My five year old though, he's finally getting like into yeah. that phase where he like he can play, but it goes like very quick from like not being able to play to like fully like addicted, right? And like won't touch his toys anymore. Oh, it's just all video games. So, yeah, yeah. I remember I had that experience. Uh, one sick day, uh, my oldest. We uh we were playing pit we found pitfall on the yeah. on the Wii. The vines? on the Wii. Beep, 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 yeah. Beep, beep, beep. yeah yeah well not the not the old Activision oh. Atari kind but oh. but, the, but the Wii it was really immersive. Okay. Next thing I knew we had played eight hours and I was like this is maybe not trending in a in a healthy direction. I thought that you were taking me back to your childhood. No. My what does your wife play the games with you? Because mine doesn't. Like her game right now is to like live potty train the two and a half year old or he's almost oh. three, but like, she's got like the training underpants on him. And like, she just like, I don't know the game is see like if when an accident happens. Oh, so she plays different kinds of games. I, I like, guess so. Um, I guess so. It's, <laughs> I, I stick, I stick with a five year old playing Luigi's yeah, Mansion. The, the, those video games are a lot more immersive. Yes. That's what I would stick with those. Um, so, hey, oh, you wait to roll the clocks back. You like that one? We've been to a lot of different time zones. We did like mountain time. If you had to write the time zones, would you go like Eastern? Would you go mountain? Would you go? We haven't done Pacific. I feel like I get a little lost in mountain time, but I, yeah. I kind of like it. I feel uh, like it must be hard to schedule a meeting in mountain time. <laughs> yeah, you have to do some extra thinking. I am not a fan of rolling the clock back. Can they just leave the clock alone? Wasn't that like a 19th century thing? Hey, you know what? We um we put out this big recruiting video. I don't know if you've seen like the Join Our Tribe video, but... There's a lot of job openings that uh, another hiring round going on here at FreightWave. So if you're watching, keep that in mind. But I want to tell you something. One of the cool things about Chattanooga is we're so close to, like, the cutoff line for being in Central Time that it yeah. stays lighter out here longer than anywhere else. So in Massachusetts... Well, that's one advantage to it. Yeah, so, I mean, like, in Mass, when you turn the, uh, when you turn the, the clock forward... It gets dark at like four thirty when you're in the office. But oh man! I mean, Chicago just up there. It's depressing. It's, it starts to get dark at like three thirty. Yeah. You know, it's. I feel bad for him. You know, I mean, wasn't it like a nineteenth century thing for farmers? Agrarian society. Like, We're not there anymore. I, really? Like, what's happening? We pay our bills in other ways. This time we do it with truckstop.com because this episode is brought to you by truckstop. Truckstop.com, the world's most trusted load board. Want to find the best carrier at the best rates? Of course you do, Chad. See market data, build relationships, and grow your business with Truckstop.com. Visit Truckstop.com today for more information. All right, hit the music. Man, this is is a big story. This one broke yesterday. Uh, We were hearing all about it. It was the drivers had to resort to paper logs after ELD outage. Yeah, so uh, that sounds like uh, sounds like we're going back to the analog time. No more digitization, I guess. No, they said it, they said it's a Y two K bug, which is like I remember. Oh. Um, you know, if you're as old as we are, you remember like in 1999 <laughs> around New Year's, it was like the yeah. big thing was this Y two K bug that never happened. But like, I had like a CD ROM which was saving like surviving Y two K. <laughs> Which to me was kind of ironic because it's like if Y2K happened, I wouldn't have been able to use the CD-ROM anyway, right? 
<laughs> right. There's a, that's a good point. Yeah, man. Did you party like it was 1999? That was, yeah, that was a good New Year's. Yeah. That was a good was. New Year's. I kissed a girl. I kissed a girl. Failed communication wow. of required firmware update may be the root cause. He said, U.S. truck drivers possibly numbering in the tens of thousands are staring at non-working electronic logging device screens after their Omnitrack system shut down on November 2nd. Omnitrack's a market leader in ELD systems, Chad, said it began experiencing connectivity issues with a subset of the in-cab telematics hardware around 7 p.m. Central Time on Saturday, November 2nd. Uh, they said, Omnitrack said this in a statement, we understand the root cause are now focused exclusively on returning impacted customers to full functionality. So they're trying to get everything restored. Here's the ones that, here are the models that were affected. It's the MCP200, yeah. the MCP110, the MCP50 devices, Newer models, including the Omnitrax, IVG, XRS, and RoadNet products, are not impacted. So it was like this old firmware, this old Y2K firmware. And isn't that ironic in the trucking industry? Like a 20-year-old bug would hit uh, us. Because we always joke that like the, that supply chain is kind of in 1999 and it's just coming <laughs> it, in the new century. It and it brought the Y2K ironic. bug with it. Yeah, it is kind of ironic. So uh, large fleets, including industry leaders Knight Swift, had... Uh, has 23,000 tractors and 77,000 trailers, and Schneider National has 14,000 trucks and 48,000 trailers, and they reportedly told their drivers to use paper logs to record their miles driven in time driving, according to FreightBrokerLive.com. Schneider was aware of the issue and expected to have more information later. The FMCSA, which oversees ELD compliance as a way of measuring drivers' attention to hours of service regulations, was aware of the Omnitrax outage. The agency requires drivers to keep paper logs on board in case of a malfunction. Mm. And the agency lists 51 pages of manufacturer self-certified ELDs on its website. Yeah, there were a lot of drivers on Twitter I was seeing last night, and they were um, they were saying that this is uh, bring back the paper logs, and this is the reason to bring back the paper logs. This is a... Right. Yeah, uh, Ms. Parks writes on Facebook, uh, it's a Y2K GPS bug. Believe it or not, our logs do not show any driving history and the computer has reverted back to, get this, March 18th, 2000. So it's, uh, what, the day after St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Back in 2000. almost Taking us almost 20 years back. Yeah. yeah. In other news, the U.S. may put off auto tariffs again, Commerce Secretary says. By the way, Jordan, Jordan Jurgensen writes, smooth intro. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. We had a little hiccup there. Uh, uh, yeah, so... Um, uh, yeah, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross cast doubt Sunday on whether the U.S. will move ahead with tariffs on imported vehicles and parts November 14th. Progress in capital investment talks with foreign automakers may make the tariffs as high as 25% unnecessary, hmm. Ross said in an interview with Bloomberg. His remarks come as the current six-month postponement of the tariffs draws to a close. Ross told Bloomberg, we have had very good conversations with our European friends, with our Japanese friends, with our Korean friends. It sounds like a very friendly time. Yeah. And those are the major auto producing sectors. Our hope is that the negotiations we have been having, there's a lot of um, passive tense there, we've been yeah. having with individual companies about their capital investment plans will bear enough fruit that it may not be necessary to put the Section 232 tariffs fully into effect and may not be necessary to even put them partly into effect. Well, that's good. It sounds like it may have been translated, like, from, uh, from another language. Um, well, deals have been aimed with South Korea and Japan, auto tariffs. So this, so this whole thing, these tariffs are kind of wreaking havoc. So this, this is good, right? I mean, we've been, we've been hearing a lot of yes, shutdowns. I, I would say. These were coming up in a lot of the financial reports. There were, there were a lot of issues. So, and, and a lot of them were showing up with the third quarter results. So 
Good news. There's been uh, a lot of volatility, a lot of uncertainty. Maybe this will add to some certainty. I like reading about crime in the supply chain, and here's another story. Charges against a Russian trucking owner now include bribery, kickbacks, and a murder-for-hire plot. Wow, the plot thickens. Material for 2020 or Dateline, some of my favorite shows. <laughs> a federal grand jury indicted a Russian trucking owner who is already awaiting trial on charges that include a $150 million military kickback scam and a murder-for-hire plot, as well as eight other Utah-based trucking company executives in this alleged pay-to-play bribery scheme involving a former FedEx ground manager. FedEx, uh, FGX is a subsidiary of the Memphis-based shipping logistics giant FedEx Corp. Yeah, and Russian-born Teef, how are you pronouncing it, Teef, along with his wife Tatiana Teef, are awaiting trial in North Carolina for their alleged part in a $150 million kickback scheme related to Russian military contracts. From tw- it really does sound like something right out of a, a, movie, of a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got, want the rights. The the Russian bad guys. Uh, from 2010 to 2012, Teef served as an executive of a Russian military contractor, according to court filings. Prosecutors claim in the November 2018 filing that the Teefs, among others, transferred more than $39 million in funds, quote, derived from a specified unlawful activity, end quote, into more than 70 accounts opened at four U.S. banks from May 2014 to 2018. That's a lot of accounts, Dooner. During the course of the money laundering investigation, prosecutors also uncovered a murder-for-hire plot. Mm. Court filings claim Leonid Teef paid a confidential source $25,000 and supplied him with an unlicensed firearm to have a man he suspected of having an affair with his wife killed. Yowza! Yeah. The- Did you hear about the other story about the, the double brokering, triple brokering, quadruple brokering, where, like, the Chinese... Guy paid one guy to to kill an associate, and then he brokered it to another guy to pay him. And then eventually, like the, the cost got so low that the guy they pulled a white man can't jump, and they just like faked the murder. They faked the photos, and then everyone got arrested. Wow! Yeah, that I was mean, I haven't. It sounds fascinating. Yeah. Oh, uh, also, I look, mean, t- talk about worldwide guy. And I'm sorry, guy. I don't mean to uh, to dismember your last name, but Dimby. He says hello from the Congo. Oh wow! Yeah, and then we got well, a little hey. from Bulgaria. Tuning in. So, investigators claimed he previously agreed to pay twenty five thousand to a Department of Homeland Security agent to have some men deported back to Russia, but the process was taking too long. He's <laughs> like, "Just kill him! Yeah. It's taking too long." The other executives involved are alleged to have laundered hundreds of millions. Uh, this is a crazy one. There's a lot more to the story. So, go to FreightWaves.com for the full scoop. But it's it's yep. uh, it's I don't know. Michael Bay needs to direct it. Yeah, I uh, I can't top that with the next headline. But Caterpillar Inc. announces layoffs at plant in South Texas. The employees laid off served as support for Caterpillar's manufacturing operations. Caterpillar notified 120 workers at its Victoria, Texas. A lot, lot, of, lot of punches coming into Texas. Mm. A lot of body blows with layoffs, right? Facility that they will no longer have a job effective November 1st. Company officials said market conditions are the reason for the layoffs. Caterpillar noti- notified a portion of its Victoria, Texas workforce that it is taking actions to bring production in line with demand, according to a statement from Lisa Miller, spokeswoman for the, Illinois-based Caterpillar. Most of the employees that were laid off were supplemental. Uh, Caterpillar had you know, sales decline over 6% in the quarter. So, you know, hopefully things, we see an uptick These there, right? These things can happen. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Now trending in supply chain. 
have to cover this. Whatever story really interested us from the week, and we caught one on Medium. It was this one zero article unraveling the secret origins of an Amazon Basics battery. And it was written by this girl, Sarah Emerson, right? It's a terrific, terrific story. And she... Uh, she really terrific. I, I really liked it. It like, was fun. Like many of us now, they, you may buy your batteries through Amazon. I know I do. I have tons of Amazon Basic batteries. In fact, I subscribe and save to their AA batteries. Well, she had a set of batteries and they exploded. And then it made her wonder and investigate this whole thing. And it made her yeah. curious about supply chain and took her down this dark path of life that, <laughs> that we're on. I don't know if she's ever written a supply chain article before, but she decided to dive deep in the mechanisms behind an Amazon Basics battery. Right, Chad? Yeah. I, you know, what's interesting about this, and this is where, like, supply chain can just become a fascinating field, right? Where you just, yeah. you like, you want to just pull that that thread a little bit and see where it might lead. And next thing you know, she's, like, looking, at, looking to where the warehouse sourcing is for Amazon, finds out that it's probably, there's with little clues and, you know, interesting ways... It's in Indonesia. Where in Indonesia she finds out? She thinks she identifies the plan, although it's really anonymous. Yeah. They, but then you can't uncover. Well, how do they source their batteries? What was the name of the um the company? It's Fujitsu, and yeah. they get a lot of uh, the, the the really important ingredient there is the uh, manganese, right? Yeah. That, that's kind of what makes it. And she was talking about how the outward facingness of Amazon's branding is is always in your face. It's even on the basics battery. But their supply chain side is very murky and very black box. And, very uh, stealth. Which is kind of an argument I've made constantly about how Amazon encroaches more and more on the 3PL space. You have people who are worried about the box side, right? They're trying to take shipments. But I've always kind of expressed to shippers when I've talked to them, like, be careful about the supply chain data that they're trying to glean from you. Because think of how oh, hard yeah. they try to cover up. Or not, not as they cover up, but they really don't advertise where they're getting their stuff from. And that is very proprietary information. So really consider who you're giving that info to. Well, that's a great point. You know, we explore a lot of transparency in the supply chain, visibility. It's coming to us. Shared data. Don't have siloed, uh, you know, uh, don't don't silo your data, share your data. We talk about that. And there's a lot of compelling reasons for it. But I have to admit that in reading an article and a story like this, you you get a sense of, you know, it's almost like the art of war, right? Yeah. It's like like you need your you do have competitors, and if they all knew everything that you were exactly doing, you would lose a competitive edge. You have to be you have to have something of the uh, the art of deception in not letting everyone know you're you're I mean it's one of those it's it's a conversation what do you what do you think should everything be transparent in the supply chain well I I think that a lot of information the problem with making information too transparent for people is that you're asking people who are not trained in interpreting information to interpret it so there can be a lot of misinterpretations There's but that, yeah. she tried to dig deep because she was like yeah. you know Amazon outwardly facing is talking about going green with all of these things a green initiative by 2040. Uh, and the they've got a long way to go for that. But batteries are one of those things where they're made in a company like Indonesia. There, there's Magnes. It's a country rich. And that Alex exploitation is going on there. And it says that the company they buy them from has an agreement to not buy conflict minerals. But the catch there is that it's not very regulated either. No, apparently they're, they're lax on their regulation. There might be some human rights violations going on. And, for, and for, as consumers, we do want transparency in the supply chain for these kinds of things. You know, we want it to be a more just globe. Yeah. You know, as we become more of a... People even younger than us, like much younger than us, like the uh, millennials generation is a much more 
interested. And I, I, yeah. I, I don't even know. And I'm 40 years old, so I, I kind of like fall in that really, really old millennial or really, uh, you know, young Gen X or something to that effect. But I think it's interesting. But like at the same time, I don't know how much information or how much action is going to be taken by. I don't know, scanning QR codes on every item and seeing their, like, blockchain sourcing initiative. I do, (laughs) like, when I can, I do buy stuff like fair trade coffee and things like that. One thing I learned from this article has nothing to do directly with Amazon, just about these batteries in general, like AA batteries. Apparently, they're incredibly inefficient they're they're at the way that they're made so we think about them uh in the downstream part of the cycle oh how do we recycle these batteries actually the the carbon emissions are from very far upstream how the, the these um minerals are sourced and then it takes apparently about a hundred times more of the energy with electricity to create the battery than the battery actually gives in its own power hmm. Yeah, that's 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 not good stuff. And that has to do with just the use of our batteries. And it's hard to trace. They're tiny. And and, well, and batteries, they create a lot of waste. In fact, Amazon Basics batteries represent 10 percent of all Amazon Basics label sales, which I believe when I read that, because whenever you're buying something, especially now that I have I have kids, a lot of their things take batteries. I mean, I felt like I was out of the battery. But for some reason, kids stuff is not rechargeable. It all takes batteries. And like some of it takes like the big D batteries. So I have a I lot know. of Amazon Basics batteries. So I, I fully get that. And what I also found interesting in the article is that Amazon is up to delivering more than 48% of its packages. I think I've read that before, but each time I see it again, it kind of reinforces that uh, that whole thing. Speaking of supply chains, right? I mean, they are yeah. really, they have real, they're figuring some things out. Like, um, and it is, uh, it's powerful. And that is how they are able to be as secretive as they are. Is it all insidious deception? I wouldn't say it is, but I think yeah. there's some thing there's there's some things that we should know about. Well, and they were also talking about the reverse logistics of their waste loop. There's not much done about that for the battery waste loop, but it talked about how Amazon is considering initiatives to that. And I think if enough like pressure is put on them, it does seem like that was something that Amazon would do. But you know, speaking of reverse logistics, episode's not there yet. No spoiler alert, but uh, there'll be a supply. <laughs> there'll be uh, off the supply chain here. Yeah, more than air someone uh, yeah. was a panalist on We've that. Won a couple times before. Might have done well. Like multi-time champion. Uh, <laughs> multi-time. You know what we're not everyone to? can say that. Yeah. So that article was go go check it out though. It's yeah. really good. I love one this zero. Long I, subs- on I subscribed. That's one, really yeah. cool. One zero is the uh, it is the uh, what is it called the unraveling the secret origins of an Amazon Basics battery. Now we're going to introduce someone new to you. This is a new member of our team. It is it is Haley. She's been with us for I don't know. She'll come tell on us. in about, about a month. She's going to tell Fazio. us what is on the radar. Sonar on the Hello, radar. Haley. Presented by Sonar. Hey there. Hello. Hi, grab your headphones. Okay, thank you. You brought a lot of, you brought more notes than Donnie brings. Yeah, I'm a note <laughs> So, there was a picture that we posted on the internal Slack last <laughs> night, and it was, uh, there's a lot of, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a lot of memes about, like, Swift trucks getting into accidents, and it happens when you're a giant mega carrier, because, you know, the percentage of people that can get into accidents or into precarious positions with your trucks increases ever so much when you have, I don't know, 30,000 trucks or whatever. But this guy had, like, he was driving on like a hiking trail or something, right? Yeah. And he, you had he was in he was in the mud. <laughs> so it made me think. You said that this was like your your greatest nightmare. So I was wondering what your top three greatest uh, that's one of them. But and uh, and I also want to know as the driver would that be your nightmare or just like coming across a swift truck <laughs> in the middle of the forest? Both, honestly. <laughs> okay. Both. 
You'd be like, oh no, <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, I got like, what, to happening? save a driver? Does, no, no, how no, did this get here? What, yeah, what how meant, was that? It just, the the it, driver. The yeah. driver. It looked I, like it was in the middle of the Amazonian rainforest. It, well, you Dean know. said that it, the guy was probably following like ways or something, and then yeah. he just saw there was no traffic on a hiking trail. And then <laughs> they're, just, going, uh, yeah. they're going uphill. In Sheer mud, determination. And, and I, I, I've gotten stuck know. in mud before in my car, so I couldn't imagine doing that at a 53-foot drive in. So what are your other uh, supply chain nightmares? I mean, there, there's a lot. We can, there's a lot. Yeah, well, oh. you used to. You worked for Coyote for a while, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have, Laura had come on here and she'd mentioned freight mares. Did you ever have times you'd wake up dreaming about working at your brokerage? Oh, yeah. Something? I, I mean, I went to bed listening to the phones. Oh, yeah. When oh. I would go to sleep. So you'd hear <laughs> phantom phone hear noises. the coyote phones ringing over Oh, and does over. it have a unique sound? Wow. Oh, yeah. Does it go like, oh, oh yeah. does it, the coyote? <laughs> Is it a coyote <laughs> noise? No, it's not a coyote. It's oh. It's just a nice little... Ringtone sounding that plays just kind of relentless. Fifty different places at yeah. once. So oh, wow. you know, I was that person that was walking around turning down everyone's phone. Ooh. But <laughs> how many years did you do this? Uh, about two years, two and a half. Okay. Jay, you know what she did before that, and now I have a question about yeah. this one. So they, she worked at a place, Chattanooga Float or something like that, where Lucidity. you can set. Okay, so <laughs> sensory deprivation tanks. Have you ever done one? Yeah, yeah, I did them quite a bit when I was there. They they're awesome. Wow, is that is that like what do you float in like salt and they yeah. just like lock you in like an iron well, maiden they don't lock of water you in there? Oh. But you, I, mean, <laughs> not, I didn't get locked in. Okay, but, yeah, wow. um, it's it's sensory deprivation. It completely cuts you off from outside stimulation, so you're just so there with your the thoughts. phones aren't ringing in your ear then. Right? No, no, that was before. That was before I was a broker. So oh yeah, not so that was her job. Yeah. So she has those before. That was yeah. before. She put yeah. the she I put mean, the float tank before the horse. Yeah, I, I, I should have gone. <laughs> yes, have you gone back for like therapy? I like haven't. That? I haven't. I need to though. It's it's great. It's good for healing the body and the mind. So. What about cryotherapy? Does that do anything? Mm, I didn't really do cryotherapy, so oh, I don't know. Okay. I, I'm kind of scared of cryotherapy. And now they have that ketamine clinic. I I, I always thought that was like a party drug, but we chat doing it now. It's a ketamine clinic where you just go and like. You pay them and they just IV ketamine into you. Oh, I think it gives you a thing. peaceful, easy feeling. Yeah. All right, well, Hallie, just uh, you've joined the team. What are you here to? Uh, what, what you've joined? You've joined Freight, you've joined Freightways. Are you? What are you? A sonar salesperson? Yes. Sonar account yes, executive. Yes. 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 Um, I, like you said, I was a broker, um, and I just wanted to come on and share some some ideas about sonar. When I first started i thought it was actually an app <laughs> yeah um and i soon learned it is way more than that right. um, if you don't have sonar get online register look at freightwaves live we've got freightways live coming up too i bet sonar the freight tech you event as a, as a of the decade. yes so from yes. your broker's eyes they're coming to sonar fresh and i always and i think we always like this because each each time you make a, a program or you go through the software there's a different iteration right and right. People starting it, it cannot look at it the same way people who are new to it can. So from your broker's eyes, what excited you about Sonar and made you think, you know what? I'm done selling freight. I'm done selling box. I'm right. selling Sonar. What was cool and what's good for brokers? Um, as a broker, I mean, there's there's many people that could speak to this. I didn't have time to think. I yeah. was go, 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 go. I was eating my lunch at my desk. I didn't have time to do anything. So when I saw Sonar, the maps really, really got to me because it's a good visual. Um, and you can compare those maps and get a quick overview of what you need to do to prioritize your load board um, and what you need to kind of attack at first. Or you can, you can look at maximizing margins and, and looking at the head haul, the volume, the, the tender rejections, 
Um, if you have sonar, then you can look at the uh, volatility chart and, and filter these things so you can prioritize your day. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool when you look at, like, say, a head hull index on the map, you're visualizing it. It's blue. You, you, we, we say, hey, can you know, we're trying to run them blue to blue. Right. Um, that gives you a kind of a strategic yeah, advantage. And you, you can keep those trucks running or you can you can go towards margin if you want to make some money. You, oh, can, you yeah. can look at that, too. So it depends if if you want to make margin, go to the red. If you want to keep oh, them running, right. go to the blue. So oh, you can I kind see, of create yeah. a map for yourself as a broker or if you're a team lead. You know, what I wish I would have had was had my manager put together like an email every day and maybe get, take some screenshots of Sonar and just send it out to the team. Say, you know, this is what we're addressing. Let's attack this area. Let's be aggressive here with our rates. Yeah. Um, it would have been super helpful to have. No, I agree. So from the from the sales side, what I would have liked about it is that it creates conversations. Yeah. It gives me a reason to make a touch point with a, with a client. Because in marketing and sales, you're always looking for, you don't want to just bug people with nothing. So you need something to, to put out there to, to talk about or to be like, hey, here is this chart that came out. I know you operate in this market, so you're letting them know that you know something. Of this. Are you taking notes, salespeople, that are out there selling brokerage? I've done this. I'm on your side here. So tell them that you, you've done some research on their company and really do it and send them a chart that shows them some activity there. Know their supply chain, and then you can talk about com- – you can have that conversation without just being like, I don't know. I want to talk about your supply chain. Right. You know? right. I mean, the, the other good thing is, too, is like a, a heat map list. If you have sonar, make a heat map list and, and filter that coming out of Atlanta or coming Ooh. out of wherever you're coming out of. So you know where to send your guys where you're going to make the most money. Um, it's it's a great tool to have. Mm. So those are some great highlights of uh, for our on the radar segment. Anything yeah. else you want to highlight? Mm-hmm. Um, that was those. Well, those highlight those yourself. Great. How do people reach out to you? They want to learn more about. So they <laughs> want to get a sonar demo. Yes. Uh, go to the. The FreightWaves website, click on the Sonar tab, sign up there, and uh, we'll get in touch with you. We have a great business development team. And uh, call me, text me, yeah. email me. Nice. LinkedIn, hey, lots of LinkedIn ways. Me. F-A-Z-I-O, right? Yes. F-A-Z-I-O. Is that Fazio? Fazio? Fazio. Like it's a Fazio. That's my Fazio. Yeah, Fazio. It's a me, Fazio. It's Haley Fazio. Haley Fazio. And it's been great to have you. No thank you. Bring it back to Luigi's on a mansion. I was talking about that earlier. Yeah, we're going to have to have you back on. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Nice. It's time to. We appreciate uh, you. Time to have some strictly business with Zach Strickland. (laughs) Strickland, He's coming on in here next. Strickland business. Strickland business, always business. With that young man. Hey, Zach. Who are you calling young? Doing, sir. Hey, what's up? Good in the turquoise. Oh, that is one of my favorite bumpers. <laughs> I thought you were actually saying that. I, I was. No, oh, right now? Yeah, I like, that is strictly yeah. business. That took a little bit of modulation. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> now you have to live up to that. Yeah, so, this is a segment where Zach comes in. He talks about his chart of the week. So, um... You know, I was going to say, so you don't have to read it, but now you actually don't have to read it because on the website, you can press a button and that like that girl voice will read it to you, right? Have you seen that feature that we have on the site? You didn't now? know that? No. Oh, <laughs> oh sorry. Wow. Like, I'm, you can press play on any article and, yeah. it's, and it's read to you. It's a little, That's you know, incredible. With, num- with number ones, it's a little bit harder because she'll have to be like dollar sign or like USD yeah, dollar your, one. Your articles well, are harder to That's a little to. tough, but yeah. Not because of the quality of the writing, no, but because yeah. of the numbers. They're not really optimized yeah. to her voice. Like point zero zero seven. Yeah. Oh, you know? oh. Yeah. is it is it the same on the app too? 
I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not really in. I like that's where I, I had so many apps. I, I kind of just live stuff. in Safari on my phone now. Although you know what is yeah. an amazing app? I've got app fatigue, dude. And I know they're beta testing it, so I'm not sure if I can yeah. really talk about this. But there's a right ways TV app that's out there, and if and you can look at it on your like Apple TV on your phone. Oh, it's beta <laughs> um, Have you tried it? It's pretty cool. I, I have not. Okay, no. it looked great. It looked great on my uh, wow on my fantastic. TV. Yeah. yeah, I don't see any girl button. Okay, so maybe they haven't put in the outdated. yet. But if you go to the website, you just go to the website on a, on a regular it's laptop. It's at the top or, of everyone. You yeah, press, press the button. button. You can okay. hear the story. Yeah. So you just wrote um, a pretty cool article where you're having to interpret the data. You're having to find a story each and every week, right? <laughs> uh, yep. And and you did it. This time uh-huh. you found uh, how intermodal, something about there was a surprise with what you saw with intermodal spot rates. Yeah, so this is this is actually really exciting to me as a as a pricing guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, yeah, okay. Know, like cuz I always well, you sit at a carrier and you're you're running these rates and you never have leverage with the shippers. Uh, you're constantly basically told lower your rates so I can get revenue. Lower your rates, lower the rates, you're killing me. Uh-huh. And you know, you never really know if that's something that you need to do, but it's what you're told like is necessary to win business. And nor- most of the time yeah, they're getting a really good rate because yeah. the market is oversupplied in general. But this is one where I look at the rails and, you know, intermodal on the rails. And they basically are able in a time where they are losing volume. And this is what I always used to tell, uh, you know, a lot of my salespeople and, and people in the company in general. Like you price to fill up a truck, you're going to price your way out of business. Because what yeah. that implies is that you're essentially going to just you know, well, hauling something's better than hauling nothing. At least we're getting a penny to move. Yeah. Well, you're still losing money. You're just not yeah. losing as much. Well, okay. the rails obviously have a little bit different situation in the way that they control their supply a lot better uh, because they do have an oligopoly. Uh, yeah. You know, there's there's yeah. only so many of them. Of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they are in competition with trucks. And at this point in time, in October, the spot rate went up for intermodal shipments while the spot rate for trucking went down slightly. Hmm. Um, and trucking volumes were actually up year over year versus intermodal rates being down year over year. You know, it's interesting because the rails don't get very, like, corrective. It's sort of as the spot rate cost goes up, like when you're looking at 2018, the break-even point for it makes more sense to go by rail starts to get lower and lower. I think it, it got to a point where it was like 500 miles was suddenly mm-hmm. there. But how come the rail lines don't get more aggressive? So in down, like, trucks get really aggressive, stupidly aggressive, but the the the, the rails are moving anyway, aren't they, most of the time? Yeah, but, they're, you know, they're building these long cars, out, yeah. you know, and actually at a certain scale, it becomes inefficient. Uh, they have to use more fuel, more yeah. engines. They have to put more uh, cars on the track. There's a lot of effort and energy. I mean, more and, guys shoveling coal? <laughs> Saw a guy doing that? No, no. Oh. This is, these, most of them are diesel-powered this, oh. this time of year, which did, and, and, you know, there was that impact in the spot rate itself. Prodigy uh, song, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> diesel. Take us back to college. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Um, but you know, what we were seeing is, is essentially, you know, they were able to control their price a lot more and it, it, the rails, it's not as simple as like saying, we're going to add a rail on the, on the car, on the, on the train. And it's a no cost whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, There is a cost there because they have to unload it. They have to manage it, maintain it, take it back off. If capacity, you know, if they need to take capacity off, there's a lot of operational functionality that it hurts their service. It hurts all sorts of other things. So it's not just a one-to-one. So they do do a better job of controlling their capacity than trucking does. You, you know, uh, at one point in your article towards the, the end, you, you 
had an observation about rails. You said that they are, you know, they seem to be passing the lower paying customers off to desperate carriers while retaining the the higher paying clients. And you said that that is a concept that carriers have yet to figure out. I'm what, well, what's what like carriers couldn't do the same thing in reverse though, right? Because it's a more competitive landscape, and they but they can do it. That's the okay. thing. They they can do it. We actually did it. At, at at points, but the problem is in markets like this. Where Who do you seeing, give it to? You don't. You can't give it back to the rail. Give it to another carrier. Oh, no. yeah. You just don't take the business. Yeah. Like yeah. what he's saying right. is that okay. the guys who are always squeezing you or make for bad elongated contract mm-hmm. things, just bad money. You you don't chase them and you control capacity based on that, and you put more effort into getting the good money, more trustworthy. Yeah, there's good freight customers, better customers out there. Yeah. You go to Walmart, for instance, and you look at the ones that are sitting there at the customer service desk all the time. Right. You know, those are ones that are costing you more money. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. they're buying the same thing, but they're they're basically costing you more money. That happens across all industries, but specifically in transportation, you know, that's basically what the rails are kind of like, well, we're in this position of leverage, so we can kind of yeah. fire more customers if you will, but they don't really fire them. They just basically don't service them as well as they could and then they they pass like passive aggressive about it. Yeah, it's no, like I, I guess you want to put it on. If you if you want to, I don't I might, don't know. Might can fall, I, might drop. You could text <laughs> me. You could, yeah. It's like a teenager on the weekends like oh, no, yeah. man, no, what else? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Do, are are there some shippers that that legitimately like kind of do go like, well, I could go by train if it's cheaper. I could I, I could go by truck. I, are there are they or are there some ways in which you kind of do have to go with a certain kind of uh, mode of transportation? Uh you know, some of the, it's really the larger shippers that use the rails. Um, some of the smaller guys don't have the scale. You know, a lot of the shippers that are using intermodal, for instance, are the ones that are bringing it in from overseas in yep. mass quantities. And that's okay. really where the value of intermodal lies is if you bring something in on a ship, it's in this container, yep. and then it can go get transferred onto a chassis of a truck, and then it can get transferred onto the chassis of the rail or the, the rail car where it's positioned. Yep. And then once it gets to the railhead, it gets back on a truck. And goes to final destination. So they don't have to open the container up and transload it onto a dry van and go yeah. through the facility. You know, it's basically less touch of the freight. Yeah, there's the garment train, like where all, all the clothing kind of goes on there. Mm-hmm. It comes in into Oakland. They throw it on this one train. And they're, they're just not going to deploy a couple hundred trucks to pull these instead. So it, yeah. it, it goes by rail. I mean, it's, it's that industry. So yeah. it's like very follow the leader. So if like the big dog in the industry is doing it one way, a lot of people tend to. And then if they you see them moving... Out of a certain market, you kind of tend to follow because they that's how they stay competitive within their margins. I mean, I don't know. It's good when you think, see people think outside the box, though, I guess. Yeah, well, no. It's risky. Not, it's not the worst thing, but a lot of the freight that comes in from China and all that is just nasty. Like, to like they cram it in these containers. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's like what they call floor-loaded or loose. It's not palletized until it gets into the United States, a lot of it, um, because it takes up too much space on the container. <laughs> you know, right. So they're trying to cram as much product into these containers as possible. And then you have to deal with it on the other exactly. end. Exactly. So they have all these transloading facilities, which are just a mess. I mean, you, you pull, I'm sure you've seen them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. They, just, they just dump just garbage off of these things. And wow. It looks like a mess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Zach, how do people find out more about you? Yeah, they can, uh, you know, obviously read my chart of the week every yeah. week. Uh, yes. I also host Freight Waves Now every mm-hmm. Monday and Friday. Uh, and I'm on various other, you know, of our TV 
outings. Yeah, and I guess might, I might have a, no sh- a new so, show yeah, soon with yeah. Anthony Smith. We're not going to announce it yet, yeah. but maybe soon <laughs> after after our live event here in a few yeah. weeks for sure. Because I'm, yeah. I'm on the road on Wednesday this week going okay. to uh, Knoxville. Uh, all right, supporting all right, my alma mater. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But if you yeah. like, if you like. Freight, finance, economics, those kind of things. It's that's your show. Yeah, that's my jam. Yeah. Finance, yeah. data, analytics, all, all that. Right. Man, do you yep. love nerd? Thanks for joining us. And boy, do we love listening to <laughs> right you. Right on. All right, thanks, it Strickland. Yeah, yeah, it's time to find out what's a, a big deal and a little deal with the lovely Miss Emily Zink. Big deal. Yeah, where is she at? Let's have her come on in. Big deal. Little deal. Big deal. Little deal. Hey there. Hello. How are you guys? Good. I, I don't have a diet Dr. Pepper for you today. I'm sorry. Oh, I noticed that in the fridge they stocked oh. Dr. Pepper, but yeah. not diet Dr. Pepper. Uh, and they I have might a, have to write a... They have Coke Zero. Yeah, yeah, I drank one of those. Not too much. Yeah, I had Not one. too fond of it. A little aspartame. Never hurt anyone. Never hurt anyone until 10 years from now. We realize that <laughs> yeah. it's horribly bad for us. Well, the thing is, no, like, I, I have a, like, it, that tastes like regular Coke. And I don't like regular Coke. I, it, like, it, oh. if it was Diet Coke, I might embrace it. I like oh, the I really like Diet Coke. It. Yeah, it's just oh. mean to it's you. It's such you a, gu- it's a guilty it pleasure. It is. No, no, I really like regular Coke. Oh, yeah. It oh. is. Nothing tastes like regular Coke. But yeah, I used to, fun story, I wasn't allowed to have pop growing up. Mm. So when I went to one of my best friend's house, she always had Coca-Cola. Oh. And it was, I would just drink it and drink Breaking it and drink the it. rules up. Not good, but we have some wow. fun. You just, you just announced that. You just like revealed that. <laughs> I know. On, on Your parents are like, what? Thousands of people out there. <laughs> My mom's probably like, what happened? That's why she had cavities. That's why Anyways, happened. Anyways, oh. yeah, that's why we paid her dental bills. Well, I think I won last time. Dooner agreed with everything I said, so Dooner, you can start. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> leave us off. There we all go. Right. That's how it works. Well, this yeah. is interesting because we just shot a show that has to do with returns today. That that's will be right. coming up. But according to you... <laughs> and Dooner did pretty well. He must know a thing or two, so you'll be good at this one, okay. Dooner. According to UPS, returns are expected to be up over 25% this holiday season. Is this a big deal? Or a little deal. You know, there's a little bond mot that uh, that Chad Brevis over there threw out before. I know this little, yeah! this little fact and figure that returns were higher before Christmas, slightly before Christmas, than they were on, like, January 3rd. And everyone's like, I don't like this crappy yeah. present. Um, which which is, Chad found really interesting. I, and I kind of did, too, because it's it was so close to Christmas when the returns were up that you wonder, but maybe that's because delivery is so quick. I don't know. Did you learn more from... Can you tell me more about that? Because it's crazy how much returns are increasing, too. And they're making it easier. And, like, Kohl's and, and Walgreens and all these places are taking your returns back. Uh, but, yeah, it's a big deal because it's really changing the supply chain. Reverse logistics is becoming way more important. And the problem is we're seeing that a lot of companies are only investing, like, 3% or something into oh, it when, yeah. it's, when it's increasing at such a high rate. I did. I do find it fascinating. I think it was the very first time uh, that U- UPS had estimated that they returned, I think it was December 19th, 2018, that they they returned 1.6 million packages that day, and I think January 3rd it was 1.3 million, and that had traditionally been the reverse logistics yeah. day. Um, so yeah, it's getting so efficient. It's probably terrible for the environment with all the carbon emissions. I would I guess, but it's super efficient. The windows are getting tighter. People are kind of trying things on and deciding they don't want them and getting them back real quick before you know they. Before the holiday, actually, yeah, I guess. So, right, oh, so, so you're thinking like you know, I think they've had Cyber Monday? No, I think I'm it's Cyber the, Monday though that people are returning yeah. from that. Do you guys do that? Do you buy like if, maybe like um, if you're gonna buy a jacket or something? Do you buy it in two sizes to see? 
if you're doing it online or like a shirt? Wow, so you're guaranteed to be Yes, well, I did that for when my brother was getting married and I was ordering dresses online. I would oh, okay. get two sizes yeah. and then I'd have to return a size. But usually yeah. I try not to do that because I, I do. I hate returns because we were talking yeah. today. They are a hassle. If you're they not, are. you have to go to the post office or you have to print out a label. Usually it's not just a first yeah. world problem. It's, <laughs> no. it's a problem. I have an aversion to it too. Like I, if I have something to return, like, like I would probably go to Walmart grocery shopping all the time, but suddenly if I have something to like return, I like I just oh, I avoid yeah. it. Like yeah, I, oh, I don't want to go. Too. Me too. Uh, I'm going to say little deal because it's kind of more of the same. It just we keep yeah. we're going to talk but about. But it's, it. it's a big it's a big thing in the industry. But it's um little deal more of the same. Okay, ah. truck maker Trayton is that how you pronounce it? Tratton. Tratton. Tratton reported higher revenue and profits for the first time in nine months, but said despite these higher earnings, the company warned a tougher 2020 is on the horizon. Chad, is this a big deal or a little deal? Well, I I think there's there's a couple of ways to look at this. I'm going to say little deal just because these are this this possible kind of freight recession that we've been experiencing. A lot of these headwinds. Uh, are just they maybe they're intensifying a little bit uh, in some sectors. So we are. I'm going to say it's it's. I mean, obviously, could be seen as a gigantic deal industry wide. Huge deal. Trucking slump intensifiers. Trucking slump intensifiers. Because because <laughs> a lot of these you mentioned the headwinds, but a lot of these yeah. things we're hearing about like slumping truck sales, used truck sales, equipment sales. Sure. A lot of these like real tangible things, not just booking not just booking freight and that kind of thing, and not just smart market rates are all yeah. starting to show up in these Q3 balance sheets. We're seeing with a lot of companies during a lot of companies during earnings and a lot of these sort of asset base and people trying to sell equipment. It's, it's been tough. It's, it's tough a little season. uncomfortable, but um, and then a lot of them are saying are warning, like the, the, the scarier thing and why it's a big deal is the Q4 guidance that a lot of them are putting out, which yes. is like, yeah. don't expect too much out of us. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Volvo, I think did that. Uh, you've been hearing a lot about, yes, a lot of people have been saying, yeah, things look great now, but just wait for 2020. So yeah, I right. think we'll continue for to follow reason, that. reason, it's a little deal. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the ding. By adopting <laughs> blockchain, fashion supply chains can reduce counterfeiting and power inequality. Dooner, is this a big deal or a little deal? I think that it's a pretty big deal because people are always like, I think that because blockchain hasn't had as much press and articles written about it, people are acting like it's this dead technology when it's not. It's that it's just getting more niche and narrow and it's fitting and it's done really well in the food supply chain. And I think that the fashion supply chain is a great place for it. There's tons of counterfeiting. And uh, we talk about reverse logistics and we talk about brands trying to protect the value of their goods. These are companies who destroy millions of dollars worth of their own goods to protect value. How much do they lose in counterfeiting? So, yeah, I think blockchain is a very smart uh, single source of truth for uh, for that. It is. It is a, a great application of blockchain technology. It is something we've been covering. I've, I've talked to companies that literally do help help uh, with specifically with trying to counter you know stop counterfeiting. Counterfeiting itself is a huge problem in in the industry. But this is a little deal because it's um I've been covering it for a while and it's mm. it's oh. not really news. Because Chad's been covering it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not news. Yeah. Yep. It's not it's not breaking news. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this next story was really interesting to me, but it's also sad at the same time. So there's no yes. doubt that millennials love avocados. <laughs> and yeah. because, we all do. Yeah, they're because Superfood. they are such a hot product, 
They are a major moneymaker. But Mexican gangs are now targeting avocado producers, meaning they're doing things like hijacking the trucks and extorting money from farmers. This this is one of those interesting um, sort of stories that when you dig a little deeper, you 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 find it. it, There's it's fascinating. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like there's avocados um, that have brought some places in Mexico that um, out of poverty in these yeah. regions, effectively in a period of like a decade. It's um, there. It's 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 considered green gold. This is a very big deal. Um, it, it's not just like, oh, you know, they're fighting over our guacamole. You know, this is this is a really big deal. They're so valuable that these farmers who have just finally brought themselves out of poverty like are now having to get hit and protect themselves from these hyper violent cartels yeah. that are trying to like get them to pay them off so that they'll be protected by them or or not murdered in this case. So, um interesting story. Um I tweeted about it if you want to check that out too. Yeah. At Chad Brevos. Um, that's right. All right. Um big deal. What do you think? Uh, you know, there's a, there was an old television series on the 80s called V. And in it, there's uh, there's this scene where the guys, you know that one where the people with the skin on their reptiles underneath? You're, you're too young. But he might v? v? Remember V? V? It was like these aliens came down. They had the red jumpsuits on. Robert England was in it. Well, anyways, there's a scene no. where this guy's walking down the street and he says, I, I make more money selling hamburger than I did selling reefer. And nowadays, you're seeing these wow. cartel members, they're making more money selling avocados than they are. Because you know what? Yeah. what you it's actually true. Yeah. It said that they're making more, like, whether it's legal or illegal on the well, sale of avocados. Because, because marijuana has become recreational and legal in a lot of the states, it's really hurt that supply chain for them. So now they got to resort. <laughs> but if you think it's just a commodity. It's yeah. just a commodity that a corrupt place is controlling. So it doesn't matter if it's avocados, water, gold, cocaine. It doesn't matter what it is. It's it's a it's a big commodity. So is it a big deal though? I I mean, do you see the video? There was a guy on social media. He got yeah. like he got killed in in these guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it was trending. Yeah. So you agreed? With me. Okay. <laughs> I am saying. What did you uh, say it was? <laughs> I said it was a big deal several times. Oh no, it's a little yeah. deal. It's what happened oh. for, for the end of time. People will be uh. killing each other over commodities. <laughs> Oh, Oh, gosh. Okay, okay. well, this is definitely a freak accident. Mm. While riding as a passenger in a car, a woman had her leg impaled by a metal bar after that bar had fallen off a truck. It bounced on the road and then came through the car. This happened in Sacramento. Very convoluted sentence explaining it. Right. Yeah. In the article. Yeah. The article. That's like how I, these reports are written. Yeah. Though. Oh, very yeah. like you have to kind of break yeah. it down. Yeah. So what do you think, Dooner? I uh, that's like we were talking about. Oh, Haley said her worst nightmare was coming across a swift tru- truck stuck in the middle <laughs> of the forest. Mine is like crap falling off the back of a truck and killing you. Like yeah. whenever I'm like behind like a gardener truck and they have like rakes and like and like those claw things. Yeah. Like there, I always I never drive behind them. I, I go those and, those log trucks were like oh yeah lo- logs yeah. do fall off and go right through. Dude, you ever see Final Destination two? The opening scene is like the logs killing everybody on the highway. Oh wow! I, I but I always have like a Final Destination. I I love that series too. I wish they still made Final Destination movies. I'll have to check. You're the out. producers out there. Dimension Films, keep making them. Um, I'll watch them. But it, it that's when we're like people die because yeah. of like fate, right? And they can't avoid fate. And there's always some like Rube Goldberg ex death. And that's like that. Like where a a metal bar it went through like her engine. Yeah, it and, went like, through her through pedal. The car. Yeah. 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 Terrible. So. A girl in uh, the Callahan Tunnel in Massachusetts. So is that a big deal or a little deal? In Massachusetts, a, 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 a truck drove over a manhole cover, and it knocked it up, and it went through her windshield and decapitated her. 
It was a huge deal. This makes my nightmares even worse. Terrible deal. I need to go in that deprivation tank. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little deal. These things happen all the time. Funny story, though. Okay. What? What? <laughs> that is a funny story. That is I mean, fun, funny, freaky, crazy. Freaky. Freak accident. That's yeah. a freak accident. Okay, this next story reminds me of something Craig Fuller, our CEO, would do. Because he's told me stories about stuff he's done in college as potential businesses. Oh, right. So this story reminded me of him. Oh, did he have a laundry one? Yes. yes. He, he had a laundry business. Yeah, Chip Gaines. He tried yeah, to get Chip Gaines to, from, to go yeah, in. Yeah, Joanna and Chip Gaines. And a laundry said, business. No. Hmm. Well, a college student in Minnesota capitalized on the fact there are no Krispy Kremes in the entire state. So he would drive 270 miles to Iowa every weekend to pick up donuts, and then he would resell them on his college campus. But Krispy Kreme is now saying no. And I'm like, and I, when I when I saw the article, I was like, Krispy Kreme, you can't do that. He's an enterprising young man. Mm-hmm. Big deal. Get out of this guy's way. He is. If if there's a market for those Krispy Kremes, there, well, he bought them from you fair and square. I think he should start. They should give him a franchise. Yeah. The college of franchise that he runs. It is a college franchise. Of nice. Krispy Kreme, yes. And it's a student run. We had a student run cafe that I actually guys ran stop in protecting school, this so, tax yeah, evading so. donut scalper. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When I was, in, how do you know he's ev- evading tax? Well, I don't know. He's a donut scalper, though. That's what he is. That's all he is. He's a no but good they donut didn't scalper. Have the donuts they don't have there. That's when, their problem. When I was in, um, when I was in sixth grade, what we used to do is like you'd buy like candy and baseball cards, and you'd resell them in the lunchroom. Yeah. So and you had a markup, and a, a substantial markup. So like <laughs> you'd have like the five cent bazooka, and even said five cents on it, and you'd be like, I want a quarter. I want like 50 cents or a dollar or whatever. Like, that's what you do to have like a little business when you're younger. This kid's in college selling donuts. I mean, God bless him. How many donuts did he sell? Did it say? A lot. Uh, he, too many, he would right? Go and get dozens you can only do that he, yeah. when gas is cheap, right? I mean, yeah. 270 much, miles, that is far. And why does Minnesota not have a single Krispy Kreme donut? That's, that's, the, question. that's the question. How much would you pay for a Krispy Kreme donut? Not that much. Me I mean, either. I'm not really a donut person. I'd rather have no. like a bagel. No, because you get that you get the donut rush and you feel guilty. Yeah, like you get that little sugar thing, and then it's and gone, then, and, and then you then want more, it just, and then yeah. it's a problem. And I, then you don't want to hate the like when you're at the hotel and they have the ba- like they should have like pre-toasted bagels or something that are just like warmed because I hate having to like cut it open and then put it in the toaster, the slicer. And just, yeah, and just like wait there for five minutes and, and then, make like, awkward conversation with the people yes, at the hotel around. Yeah, you. it's really yeah. weird. They're like, hey, and you're like, yeah. and they don't move away. Nope. Like I'm from the Northeast. Usually, people in the Northeast will just be like, yo, like how you doing? But they'll keep walking. Yeah. Like they won't stand there and expect, like, I have not been trained how to have that kind of, like, conversation. I just don't know what to do. <laughs> you don't do small I think talk. You, I think you do pretty well with it. Yeah, I think yeah. you're fine yeah. around uh, You're doing just people. fine. I, now that I'm going gluten-free, though, more or less, I, I'm not hitting those bagels. Not hitting the bagels, mm-hmm. not hitting no. the donuts. Not hitting the no. bagels or donuts. <laughs> Oh, you know what? So last last week, the big deal, little deal that we talked about was in Tennessee that that horror. Oh my gosh, yes. So you, so I went home and I was googling it, yeah. and I found two documentaries on it, and one was like this, oh, like yeah. I this haunted one. house one. And the other one was on Netflix. It's called uh, what was it called? Dark place, dark dark vacation, no, dark places or yeah, something, something like that. It's on this Netflix, guy. He goes, yeah. yeah, he goes to like messed up tourist locations, and it turns out this isn't like a haunted house at all. It's just a guy who does like military style like torture, torture on chamber. you. Yeah. Yeah, he took like a guy and he puts like he puts you in an ice cold bucket your head. He and tapes then, your eyeballs with duct tape. It's just it's and, messed and up and puts like messed thing up things mouth. in your head, yeah. like headphones yeah. on with like disturbing His noises voice the whole time. Like, on it, it and what was the, that that mouth thing he put yeah. in there? Yeah, it's like so you my can't mouth talk. would get dry. Yeah. I would hate that. And then like he puts your but, face in the bucket. Then he put like a a, a t shirt over your face. Yes. It's like you're like waterboarded. Yes. The guy who quit first, what was just kept saying, I just don't. 
Like, I'm just not seeing the value. No, in this. he's like, yeah. I don't feel and comfortable. I, I thought I'd be scared, but I'm just, I'm not scared. I'm yeah, you like, can make, you can like kind of torture people, yeah. and it could be a miserable experience for them. Yeah. I don't know. Is that a test of their how much they can take? Oh, okay. I, I wonder where that because last time we were talking, that petition only had nine thousand signatures to try to shut it down. So I wonder if that gained any traction because people really want this list, guy. A, that article said his waitlist has forty five thousand people on it. Because don't you get twenty thousand dollars if you make it all the way through? And yeah, but nobody has. Nobody has. Yeah. I, Nobody's I, made it all the no, way through. Not a single person. Like, the I mean, guy they were probably just show, increasingly yeah. messed up stuff to you. That's what I think. Ugh. Yeah, it is. It said bizarre. they could do dental work to you, Chad. Yes. Unauthorized no. dental work. No, thank you. It's just so terrible. he would just take it to a level, to a point where, like, you wouldn't be able to take it. I guess. Yeah. You go crazy. The guy, the guy who does the show, whatever that show is called on Netflix, does a very good job of narrating. Yeah. And he just was explaining it. He's like, I kind of went mad. And it was like yeah, five he minutes was into not it. Doing no, well. he did not like no, it. He was no. upset. No. He was like, yeah. I don't get paid enough. He was crying. He's like, yeah. Netflix needs to pay No, more I would money be crying too. So, yeah. <laughs> so. A week from now, we're all going to be in Chicago at Freightways Live. The live stream is what they start on Tuesday. Yes. I, I'm excited for this because it's something that has never been done before at yeah. Freightways Live. And you guys are kind of going to be sitting on that desk for a long time. About I think yeah. you have six hours of coverage, live coverage, so you could get on our YouTube, our Facebook, our Twitter, yeah. our LinkedIn, and join in the conversation. I think that will be the fun part. For the people who aren't there or even if the people are in, you know, watching in the main room and we're in the exhibit hall, definitely interact on social oh, media because yeah. we, we yeah, would love that us. interaction. We'd love to hear how our content is. We would love to hear who you want to see more of. And see it's just, more. yeah, a lot of jam-packed people. We got at some big names. So I'm, I'm excited. I it, am it too. Like Chad and I were, we did this from the last one and we were just in this booth there. And uh, it wasn't live. We recorded things. And it was fun. We got to meet a ton of people, but it did so well. We, we got basically our own stage now. Yeah. With, and we're going to showcase other Freightways Live TV shows and host the thing and get to reach out to people. And, I, and Chad and I went on tour, and we're having our, our What the Truck t-shirts are coming soon. It, it, yeah. it kind of chronologues our whole tour. But we went, like, all throughout the cell touring, going to a bunch of other people's conferences. Yeah. And the reaction to the show had always been amazing. People just really like to just come up and, and come on the show. And I think it's because... Like, it's just this. You're yeah. like, hit a cowbell. You we know? Keep, we're keeping it fun. We, yeah. you know, we, we do. We want to have people on. We want to have a good time. I and... think you made a good point that you guys were in kind of this octagon that people, it really wasn't personal. But this time people could stand there and watch us. And I think yeah. a lot of people are questioning, what is Freight Waves TV? What do they do? What do they cover? And I think people could really see, not just you guys, but behind the scenes, we have the whole video team working yeah. the cameras. And well, you'll be there, a lot, too. Yeah, I'll be there, too. But a lot goes into a production. And I think people really will be intrigued to see what it takes to make all of that live coverage happen. So it will be a cool experience for everyone. It'll be out there. Yeah. We'll yeah. be out there yes. getting it done. And I will see you guys there. Yeah, you oh, will. Thank you for having me. Yeah, go to, go to Freightways.com, click on events, get tickets. We're almost sold out. We're I think there's very few left. I know that I think the hotels are sold out too. So you might have to get an Airbnb if you want to come. You can find her on Twitter at Emily Zink. Yes. That's S-Z-I-N-K. That's, That's at big Chad. deal. Big deal. <laughs> I'm going to change my Twitter to big deal. That's uh, at Chad Prevos, at Timothy Dooner. Follow Freightcast. Uh, you can get every Freightways podcast. There's over 10 of them now. 10 Freightways podcasts. All of them available. Freightcast. Look it up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere podcasts are heard around the world. Yeah. You've been listening to One Good Truck. Now bang your little cowbell into the week, baby. Bang your little cowbell all the way to Chicago. Because we're going to see you at Freightways Live. <laughs> <laughs>
the brain tech of fan of the decade. Bang your little tablet with your ELDS and wax your K-Bug, right? Get yeah. a new one. Shout out to Krispy Kreme Donuts. Bang your little tablet with that entrepreneur. No, we're not Ooh. shouting out Krispy Kreme. No, for oh. the guy who was selling the donuts. Yeah. Yes. Go buy a donut from him. <laughs>